This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The World in 10, the big news stories of the day, explained and analysed by the Times of London, with me, Toby Gillis, and Lou Newton. First we look at how Israeli defence forces are infiltrating the Hamas tunnel network. Israel's defence forces are understood to have taken a total U-turn in how they want to deal with Hamas's extensive underground tunnel network, with previous plans to flood it shelved, or perhaps never really the plan at all. At the moment, they're targeting it with explosives and bombs from the air and landmines from the ground. That's because they don't want to enter them. That's Hamas's territory and they would have the upper hand there. But this is a lot of tunnels, about 500 kilometres worth. That's just over 300 miles. So if Israel just hunt for shafts on land and won't go in, the war will go on for a very long time. The Times' is Richard Spencer is in Israel and has been speaking with IDF engineers. Possibly the first time ever you can have a war where you can have total control over the, the territory on the surface, but still have to fight a war because the war has been waged from, from underground. What happens when Israel are effectively occupying Gaza? How do you deal with the fact that this war will go on? Do you allow the civilians to go back home, for example, knowing that there's still a war going on you know, under their feet? And what's the end game when Israel has access to the tunnels but doesn't want to go in them? Um, how long do Hamas hold out with the hostages. These are the questions that people are starting to ask. In terms of the war above ground, Hamas regularly fire weapons into Israel too. Where they come from exactly isn't clear. There's been a lot of talks and scraps of evidence about how Iran could be involved. Now, the Times has evidence confirming that it's thanks to a British Air Force operation over Syria and Iraq. So what they're seeing from the air appears to suggest that Iran-backed militia groups have been smuggling weapons through those countries to Lebanon, where they then get to Hezbollah and, of course, Hamas. The geography is Iraq borders Iran, they come in there, then on to Syria, finally to Lebanon, which is north of Israel. And it's in Lebanon that Hezbollah, which is based there, And Hamas, who have groups in Israel, are getting their hands on these weapons. It's not a direct link to Iran, but it's pretty clear that the British typhoons monitoring the area are seeing this route of arms smuggling. Larissa Brown is the Times' defence editor, who's been speaking to RAF pilots in Cyprus. 
They're reliant on people on the ground. Now, those could be local forces or they could be coalition troops. And they will be able to say to the RAF that, you know, we want you to keep an eye on these people. We can't can't continue tracking them. There's enough eyes on the ground, presumably, for them to really believe that they are the Iranian militia and those weapons are being moved to Lebanon. So I think a lot of people believe that Iran have managed to get uh, weapons to Hamas, but there's always been the question of how they've been able to do that. The fact that the, the UK is obviously watching then these ground elements being able to move them across the Middle East, it paints a picture of what's actually going on. You can read her piece on thetimes.co.uk now. Now to a situation in South America that's threatening potentially even the peace in the region, with Venezuela having declared it's formally annexing part of its neighbour, Guyana, a former British colony. And that last bit is important here because the Essequibo, which makes up two-thirds of Guyana, has been a disputed territory since it was British Guyana, when Venezuela accused them of encroaching on its land by drawing a frontier to the west of the Essequibo River in the early 19th century. That border was ratified in 1899 by international arbitration, but Venezuela's been arguing about it since, and now a referendum there into the issue on Sunday saw them vote overwhelmingly to take the land back, which has been widely condemned internationally. Now, The Times' man in South America, Stephen Gibbs, is about to head from Venezuela to Guyana. But before he boards that flight, I'm delighted to say that uh, he can join us now. Um, Stephen, from Mr. Not Much of an Expert on South American Geopolitics here, um, I'm kind of seeing Venezuela as Russia and Guyana as Ukraine here. Is, is that about the size of it? Well, that's certainly how the Guyanese see it, but certainly not how actually most Venezuelans see it. Even the ones that are really quite critical of President Maduro, he has sort of seized on this subject, which unites all Venezuelans. They really do think that, you know, their border was cheated from them and that a large chunk, two thirds of neighbouring Guyana, should rightfully be Venezuela, which is why he's using this you know, unifying subject to try and sort of increase uh, his support within Venezuela. And the US Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, has weighed in on it too. So where does this crisis rank on the scale of importance for the US right now? Well, I mean, the US has plenty of other focuses in the Middle East and Russia, of course. But this is in the region. And it's involving a country, Venezuela, which is very problematic for the United States. And the United States is attempting to solve that. It's been doing things recently like offering to lift part of the sanctions on Venezuela if Maduro becomes a little bit more democratic. And in the midst of that, you hear this sort of bellicose speeches from the Venezuelan government. So it's sort of thrown a big spanner in the works in the middle of this region. And that is a problem for the United States. Okay, Stephen Gibbs, thank you for joining us on The World in 10. And Stephen has written extensively about this story for The Times and there's a lot more to come once he gets to Guyana tomorrow as well. Keep an eye out for more on this rapidly developing situation at thetimes.co.uk.
now we return to a perennial favourite story for the world in 10, Live Golf. It was only two episodes ago we were speculating on John Rahm joining. Now that's been confirmed and the seismic sporting issues that come with it. So this is the Spanish world number three, arguably the biggest name lured with huge cash to the Saudi-backed tour, which he's questioned in the past, saying, shotgun with three days to me is not a golf tournament. No cut. It's that simple. I want to play against the best in the world in a format that's been going on for hundreds of years. Would my lifestyle change if I got $400 million? It would not change one bit. But now he's admitted the cash, and it is in that region, has helped him make the switch, but insists the team element was an attraction too. It might be the only team event he plays from now, because until now, no European player who's taken the Saudi cash has been allowed to continue playing in Ram's beloved Ryder Cup. But could that change given his standing in the game? You'd think it'd have to, really. And that was the amazing admission made by Rory McIlroy, too. Amazing because he's been the strongest critic of Liv of any player. It is complicated by the fact a potential merger between Liv Golf's owner, the Public Investment Fund of Saudi, and the traditional golf tours is still being thrashed out legally with no agreement in sight. But the Times' golf man, Rick Broadbent, says when even McIlroy concedes that, people will listen. I mean, he's been so anti-Liv. And he was against sort of the likes of Ian Poulter, Sergio Garcia, who'd been involved in the Ryder Cup that's that's just happened. So for him to immediately say, let's rip up the rule book for John Rahm, is a huge U-turn. I mean, it's all up in the air. I think he, he will be playing in the next Ryder Cup. But I just spoke to Paul McGinley, you know, the old European Ryder Cup captain. He said it would be ridiculous to change the rules because that's almost the last bartering tool that the PGA Tour has got when it goes to into these talks with Piff. I mean, we've got the Ryder Cup. Live players want to play in the Ryder Cup, so don't give it away for free. And now to something completely different. Well, hello. I'm James Stewart. But, well, you can call me Jimmy. Tonight, I'm going to tell you a story. It's a heartwarming story of love, of loss, of hope, and of joy. But most of all, it's a wonderful sleep story. Yes, that really is Jimmy Stewart reading you a bedtime story Well, Lou, sort of. So Calm, which is a sleeper meditation app, has worked with the family of the It's a Wonderful Life actor who died in 1997 to create an AI version of his voice. Yeah, we thought it was pretty amazing, didn't we? And to top it off, it's supporting a Ukrainian startup which has created the tech. Maybe one for you if our dulcet tones haven't quite done the job of gently helping you drop off yet. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for taking 10 minutes to stay on top of the world with the help of the Times of London. We'll see you tomorrow. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. 
Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be fine. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, (laughs) you, you were different. Like you were real different. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com (laughs) 